Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. I am Dave Gasper, joined as always by Matt Carroll. You know us, we are the editors at ReviewingTheBrew.com, and boy, have things been busy over there. Busy, busy, lots of stuff going up, lots of great content. Uh, as always, check out ReviewingTheBrew.com uh, for all of our latest. And uh, Matt, it's been it's been a week. It, it has been interesting. Uh, you know, you got the Tigers that came to town and you know, took two of three. Somehow, um, it was it was weird uh, losing those first two uh, to the Detroit Tigers, um, and then you know another uh, series loss prior to that uh, as the Brewers uh, ended up losing two out of three to Boston to the Red Sox. And Matt, I was there uh, that Sunday game. Uh, that Matt Bush blew up mm-hmm. and blew up Brewers Twitter. And everyone was ready to release him on the spot. Yeah, he's uh, not exactly made the greatest name for himself. Not representing Matt's in the best way, <laughs> if I say so myself. Um, of course, now he is on the injured list. Uh, yes. Sounded like he was in some pain after that as velocity had dropped down. Um, of course, it always seems like it goes that way. But then again, I mean, I guess that is how injuries work. Like, yep, something goes wrong and then you're or you're brand new. Nothing seems wrong and you're just on the injured list anyway, I guess. Um, but yeah, so had not been doing well. His, I think it was the outing before that one, though, that he had gone three up, three down, three strikeouts. So it's like, okay, he's showing what he can do sometimes. Um, but then that happened, and a Gara happened, and all of a sudden oh. things escalated very, very quickly. And Gara is no longer here. So. Yes. Yeah, that was... That was quite the turn of events on on Sunday there. So I, like I'm sitting there watching this, and it's like okay, the Brewers just like the Brewers had just taken the lead, mm-hmm. and it's like okay, here we go, we can win the series. Like this is great, the offense doing well, doing what it needs to do, got us the lead. Here's Matt Bush uh, for the eighth to to get it to Devin Williams. First batter, boom, homer. It's like oh no, here we go. Second batter, boom, homer. It's like oh Jesus Christ, here we go again, and now. And you couldn't, you couldn't pull them out fast enough. As soon as that second homer hit, I saw the bullpen just sprint into action. Uh, it was like, okay, well, time to go. And Javi Guerra could not get warmed up fast enough. You know, then then the next batter I think was like a double, and just kept on going from there. I was like, oh, this is, this is awful. And you know, Chris Hook had to go out there and buy some time, and then they finally are able to pull him, and they bring in Guerra. And Guerra's just an abject disaster. Uh, and, yeah, he gets he gets DFA'd, which isn't surprising, really. He was out of options. You know, he was possibly on the cut line coming out of spring training, didn't really make a great impression. And then, obviously, a blowout, a blow-up outing in, you know, in a job where you're trying to keep it close enough that your offense can, can get in it. Putting up a nine spot is not going to help. Uh, so he gets the DFA. Matt Bush goes on the IL, which, yeah, you can kind of see coming. The velo dip. I don't think the Brewers necessarily want to cut Bush yet. I know a lot of people were saying DFA, but I don't think the Brewers are going to be there yet. But he's going to require an IL stint, a a little bit of a lengthy one. Uh, He's going to be shut down for a bit. So now you got openings there in, in that Brewers bullpen. But as I was sitting there, Matt, contemplating this now eight run deficit the Brewers were facing because they were up four, three. Then all of a sudden it was a 12, four game mm-hmm. as I'm sitting there contemplating. I'm like, was the Josh Hader trade actually the best <laughs> trade the Brewers made at the deadline last year? Cause the Brewers made three trades at the deadline. The Josh Hader trade kicked everything off. Then they followed that up with the Matt Bush trade. And then they got Trevor Rosenthal. Mm-hmm. Rosenthal never threw a pitch for them. No, Matt Bush, has thrown pitches for them, and he's given up 10 homers in 30 innings. That's a lot. That is a lot. 
and just continues to to have these issues. And so with, with how terrible it's been and how he's how Matt Bush has almost actively made things worse, it makes you look at the Josh Hader trade and be like, is this the best of the group? Now, granted, that's not saying much. No. The bar is on the floor here. Like, this says absolutely nothing about, you know, that being a good trade. It, it, it does not mean the Hater trade was a good trade. It was still a bad trade. It was still a horrible idea. But it was the best of the bunch. I mean, you got, okay, Rodgers really wasn't that great. He blew a couple of saves, had an area over five last year. Lamette really kind of did nothing for you. But you turned Asteri Ruiz into William Contreras. Uh, that's positive. Uh, you still got Robert Gasser down in AAA who's lighting it up. Mm-hmm. So there's still a chance for some positive value out of that trade. Granted, it killed the team last year. I know that. But there's still the chance for some positive value. Trevor Rosenthal, there was zero positive value. You no. gave up a prospect for absolutely nothing. It was so insanely stupid. Matt Bush has only been getting more and more negative as as time has gone on. So the most positive value is coming from the hater trade. Like like is is that where we're at now? That is where we're at. It's crazy to think about. That's also kind of like trying to pick out the prettiest pig at the state fair. Like <laughs> it, it you're trying to find some beauty but they're 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 all literal pigs. Like yep, you can put lipstick on it, but it's still a pig. There you go. Yep. yep. I, I knew there was I knew there was something to the 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 saying I was coming up with. That makes hey, that's, yeah. There we that, go. That's what you were going for. And that's uh, that's that's there we go. Um. No, it's totally true. And it, Matt, you're right. Like I don't think even if he wouldn't have gone on the injured list. I don't know that Matt Bush would have been designated for assignments. I mean, hell, if they wanted to do that, they could have just done it. They wouldn't have had to put him on the injured list. So they clearly see some value there. Before he got to the Brewers last year, Matt Bush was having a very good year for the Rangers. He had a sub three ERA, I believe. Um, you You can see that when he's on, he's dirty. Like the fastball breaking ball combo mm-hmm. is it is rough when he's actually spotting it and not leaving things, you know, hanging right in the middle of the zone um, and not down in velocity, obviously. But when he's on, he can actually be worth something. So had he not got on the injured list, I would assume that the Brewers would have maybe just moved him out of high leverage situations for a little bit and gone on to maybe some other options with Guerra he was always going to be kind of a little bit of a project. One of those, if they can get him on, then he, it could really work out well for the Brewers. If not, it's, it's not going to be that big a loss in, in the, the long run. Um, who did they end up? Victor Castaneda. That, that's right. Cause it was player to be named later and he ended up. So Castaneda, I think we were going to be lucky if we ever saw him in the majors. Um, Although now that he's in Tampa, he'll probably come up and be a dominant d- near ace or something like that. But yeah, that that it was always kind of a lowish risk move when they got Guerra and it didn't work out and whatever that happens. You, you're going, you are never going to to finish the year with the same roster that you started it with. There will be guys who end up getting cut along the way due to poor, poor performance, and he was just one of them. The Brewers never gave up much for him. Whatever. Guerra is a small blip on the, you know, long story that will be the Milwaukee Brewers franchise someday. Um, Bush, you never know. He gets, you know, back to healthy. He comes back. He's got his velocity back. Maybe still don't put him back in the eighth inning for a little bit till he can show yeah. that he's going to mow some people down again. Um, but, you know, they could still get something out of him at some point. But we're moved on. Yeah. We're, we're we're looking at other guys now in those high leverage. Yeah, absolutely. It is Pistol Pete time. Yeah. Pistol Pete Strezalecki. Uh, yeah. Th- if you had told me that in uh, 2021, I would not have believed you at right? all. Right. Uh, but here we are. 
Um, and, and I'm excited to see Pistol Pete um, in that bullpen in, in the eighth inning. And it's going to be uh, hopefully better than the Matt Bush uh, experience uh, over there because that was – that was rough. Speaking yeah. of rough, we have injury updates across Oof. the board. Uh, there is good news and there is bad news. And there's uh, some really devastating bad news. Uh, Matt, do, do you want to start with the good news or do you want to start with the bad news? Ooh. Let's start with the good news because it'll be fast. <laughs> okay, the good news. Uh, some guys are getting healthier. Adrian Hauser is on a rehab assignment uh, he is going to have one more start in AAA Nashville, and then they will reassess, and he is likely to be rejoining the big league club after that. Hauser is likely going to be uh, in the rotation. The Brewers are stretching him out. His last outing for Nashville went about 75 to 80 pitches. So he is on the mend. Uh, we're going to be getting Hauser back. That That's going to help the rotation depth. That has been hit quite a bit so far. Uh, Gus Varland also going on a rehab assignment. He suffered the hand contusion uh, after a comebacker. He's going to uh, Appleton. He's going to the Wisconsin Timber Adlers for his rehab assignment. Um, that's going to be happening on Thursday here and then on Saturday. And then he will rejoin the big league club. Uh, so very excited to see Varland come back into the bullpen picture. And Tyrone Taylor is back on his rehab assignment and he is in Nashville getting his uh, get, getting himself back into the swing of things. And that's really going to help the Brewers outfield depth. But that is more in the uh, bad news uh, segment uh, you know, where we have to talk about the outfield depth. But, you know, you got a couple of guys getting healthier. You got some key role players in Hauser and Taylor coming back. You got a key bullpen piece that's been really solid in Varland uh, on the way back. So that is that is good news. Yep. Uh, Hauser all of a sudden becomes a really important guy to get back here uh, because you've been filling in Brandon Woodruff's injury with Jansen Junk and Colin Ray. Junk's yeah. start didn't go too hot. Ray's first one did, and then his second and third were both plagued by a big inning, a crooked number in each one that ended up basically, you know, being the difference in those games. So, you know, not not 100%, and Ray hasn't really been going more, I don't know, he's gone more than five outside of that very first one. So you get Hauser back. Originally, it was going to be a, you've got a long relief guy, a ground ball guy out of the bullpen because that was the original plan. Now, you need him for that rotation spot. There's no Aaron Ashby. Um, there's no, you know, Bryce Wilson's actually been very, very good as a reliever. So um, in the spots they've been using him in, you almost don't want to pull him if you don't have to. And Hauser ends up now being necessary for that rotation spot. So you get him back. Um, Gus Varland was part of a very strong bullpen early for the Brewers. You get him back. Luckily, it's relatively uh, minimum stay on the IL for him. Uh, it could have been way, way worse because that was a scary comebacker that uh, caused the entire thing. But he should be good. And then Tyrone Taylor, kind of the same as Adrian Hauser, you know, they were going to be facing some interesting decisions of what you would even do with Taylor, period, once he was ready to come back from the injured list, considering you had Garrett Mitchell, you had Joey Weimer, you had, you know, Brian Anderson playing right field from time to time. You had all these, you know, guys on the roster. There was not a clear spot for him to be able to take. So what was going to end up happening with him? Well, now he's probably going to get a good chunk of playing time, um, e either, you know, filling in at center, filling in at right, you know, here and there. He'll he'll end up getting a chance here because of some of the unfortunate bad injury news that we now have to go over. Yes, yes. It is now time for the bad news portion. If you don't like bad news, uh, skip ahead a couple of minutes. Uh, because this uh, this news is bad. Uh, yeah. So we got a double kick to the groin uh, this past week with the news of Garrett Mitchell and Sal Freelich. Garrett Mitchell tore his labrum in his shoulder on a slide in Seattle. And we were hoping he, he could avoid major, major injury. 
but he tore it and will need surgery. He's going to undergo that this next week. He's going to be out for a minimum of four months, uh, and there's a chance that he could come back in September, but there's also a chance he is out for the rest of the season, a big blow to the Brewers' outfield. And then with Mitchell out, many assumed that the next man up would have been Sal Freelich, fellow top prospect, number two overall in the Brewers' system. But at the very same night that Mitchell injured his shoulder on a slide, of course. Sal Freelich injured his thumb on a slide in AAA Nashville, and he tore the UCL in his thumb, and he had to have surgery to repair it, and he is out for six to eight weeks. So Freelich is out until June. Mitchell is out until September, at least. And now the Brewers outfield, which was brimming with talent and and had plenty of, of depth coming through in the minors, especially with the top prospects. Now you're down to Joey Weimer, uh, who they didn't really plan on being a regular center fielder, but now Weimer is going to be playing center field quite a bit. Uh, you're relying on Brian Anderson a lot more in right field, which means you're relying on Mike Brasso and Owen Miller a lot more in the infield with Luis Rios still injured. And... It is uh, not as good of a situation as it was a week ago. Nope, certainly not. Uh, and it sucks, too, because Garrett Mitchell had been off to a pretty decent start. He had a walk-off already again this year, um, was, again, starting to kind of build up that speed on the base paths, starting to finally steal some bases. Um, but he was making a little bit of an impact with kind of some of the other rookies and Oh, it just it it's so unfortunate, especially kind of the way it happens. Um, I didn't, I still never ended up seeing the uh, the replay of it, but you know, to try and throw from across the diamonds on a play like that is is a little bit rare. Um, the throw came in from first base, I believe. Yeah. Um, so not not that it's you know wrong. There's nothing wrong by anything that happened. Even Mitchell afterwards said that you know I've I've dove into bases my entire career and feel comfortable about it. If I had to do the play over again a hundred times, I would do the exact same thing a hundred times. Like yeah. there nothing, nothing wrong with how he, you know, approached diving into third base. It just sucks because he ended up, you know, having a little bit of an injury that first year in the minor leagues, ended up kind of battling that and strep throat. His second year in the minor leagues um, still was kind of working his way up, but ended up, you know, he slumped pretty hard there and was quite a bit to overcome. Then last year, finally kind of, you know, starts working through some things and looking good. He's in AAA. He gets the call up late. He looks like the future. Now he's going to miss almost in the entire year, possibly the entire rest of the year. It just, oh, you just hate it because this was supposed to be the year that all the young guys got to break loose. Three yeah. of them got to be on the opening day roster. Freelick was likely going to join them at some point. You know, the future was here. And now half of that, though, that core group is out. Freelick, at least for far less than Mitchell. But, oh, it's just a big blow to, you know, Brewers fans who, we're so excited to see these this next wave of talent start coming through. Yeah, and, and Mitchell has has done so much. I mean, even with coming up last year, I mean, he has looked like the guy. Like, like especially with with the personality, he's he's got the star level personality. Um, loves the crowd, plays to them super well, and you know, just the way he talks about Milwaukee, the way he talks about the Brewers, um, the way he carries himself on the field, off the field, uh, what what he's been able to to bring to, just as a spark as well. You know, when he hit the walk-off homer against the Mets and, and Sophia asked him how much fun are you guys having, he just puts on the cheese head and, and just goes <laughs> to the crowd and, and puts the arms up like, let's go. Like, it, it's it's a star factor. It, it's an it factor that mm-hmm. we haven't seen in a Brewers prospect in quite some time. Yeah. And it it just it sucks so much for Mitchell and and the Brewers, because, I mean, when he comes back, is his job going to be there? Mm. You know, Sal Freelich's going to be coming back in June. You know, he's going to have June, July, August 
you know, potentially early part of September to claim the center field job as his own. You know, when, when he comes back, is Freelich already going to have claimed it? Right. Then, then what's Mitchell going to do? I mean, obviously they're not just going to completely, you know, punt on on Mitchell. You know, they'll they'll still rotate through and they'll still give him opportunities out there. But, you know, is that job going to be there when he comes back? Plus, you got Jackson Churio hard charging already at Double A. He's going to be a future part in this outfield somewhere. So, where where is his spot going to be? You have Mitchell, you have Freelich, you have Weimer, you have Churio then coming up afterwards. Who's going to claim their spots? There's only three starting spots in the outfield. Who gets them? And obviously this is a question that, you know, obviously time will tell as, you know, these, these guys just kind of play it out and, and whoever plays best will, will likely determine it. But if Mitchell can't be on the field for the next four months, four to six months, it's going to make it harder for him to stake his claim to it. Right. And that's what sucks because like, you know he's got that potential. You know he's got that ability. You know it's there, and you're being we're being robbed of the opportunity to see it and and, and for him to show it. True. He self like though I will say does need to make sure you know he does need to show that he's ready for that spot. He was off to a little bit of a slow start down there. At AAA, he was only batting 232. He had a 638 OPS, was making all kinds of crazy plays in the outfield. That was amazing. Um, that said, you know, Joey Weimer had a little bit of a slow uh, 2020 or a down 2022 during the middle. He slumped a little hard. He came back, you know, strong at the end. I don't know that he necessarily, I wouldn't say that Weimer blew everyone away during this spring. He had a good spring, but it's not like he, you know, was like, can't miss, but still ended up making the roster. So, you know, if the Brewers see what they see in South Freelick and, you know, know the talent they have, they'll promote him regardless. But he's going to need to show that he's over that injury first off. Um, you think back to Luis Arias when he had his thumb injury, he or uh, early in 21 was it um 2021 not last year right for freely being drafted no no, no. Uh, luis urias's thumb injury oh thumb injury yeah he had a quad last year you know i know he had a thumb one at one point it must have been 2 years ago then cuz he had one that was messing with his swing a little bit uh, that took him a bit to get over, but that's just again like it. Your hands obviously important for you know your offense. He'll need to show that he is a over that and b you know uh, comfortable kind of uh, in Triple A. He was last year, so I, I don't think anyone's worried about him. But I, I don't know that he's necessarily just promised that uh, major league spot right away. Uh, but once he gets up, I, he is a pure hitter. He's I expect that he will start impressing right away. And then, yeah, you're right. Like Joey Weimer, actually, since Mitchell has gone down, has been semi-decent. He had his second homer today. Um, he's finally starting to hit breaking balls and not be Pedro Serrano. So <laughs> if you end up with those two doing well, Brian Anderson has looked good outside of like a series or two stretch. He has looked good this year, still leading the team in RBIs, I believe. Um, yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting. The Brewers always find ways to get people at bats, and they love having multiple outfielders. So I, I have to believe that there will there will be plenty of playing time for Garrett Mitchell, and they are high on him. He was the first of all of these prospects to get a promotion last year. Yeah. When he wasn't necessarily playing the best, like Sal Freelich was playing the best yeah. out of the prospects of AAA last season, but he was younger and that played against him a little bit. The Brewers just, they love Mitchell. They they love him. So, it, so do we. I mean, it, it's easy to love him. I mean, just, just yeah. watch him play, watch him talk, watch him carry himself. Right. So yeah. when he's back, I, I have to believe like he'll, he'll have every opportunity, but It'll still be interesting, like if if some of these guys, the the um you know the talents through the roof for all of them, if they are performing by the time Mitchell gets back, 
then yeah, he'll have to fight for the playing time. Yeah. Yeah. How do you, how do you take those guys out if, if they're performing as, as expected? And uh, as you mentioned with Joey Weimer kind of heating up over his last seven games, uh, Joey Weimer is eight for 23. So he's hitting 348 mm-hmm. with a 984 OPS. So that that's over his last yeah. seven games. So yeah, he's heating up uh, a little bit, which is uh, great to see. He, yeah, he had, he had a slump there, and uh, you know, especially over the road trip. But uh, he's getting he's getting back there, which is which is really nice. he almost had two homers today. He yeah. had one dead center, and that was just short, just off the top of the wall. Uh, and he got that off the end of the bat too. I remember I was watching the replay like that was wait that was towards the end of the bat, and he still he still nearly hit it. Off, like above, like he had it like pretty much right off the 400 sign in dead center. Mm-hmm. Like it was insane strength, just just insane power that, that Joey Weimer has. So uh, just really excited to see him, you know, make these adjustments and, and keep on going. But yeah, and now with the Brewers outfield mostly being comprised of Joey Weimer in center and Brian Anderson and Wright, you have two absolute cannons oh, yes. in the outfield defensively. And Christian Yelich is there too. Uh, but you got two cannons out there, and it it has been saving the Brewers' runs. Mm-hmm. Like, like the book is out. Teams have learned, do not run on Weimer, do not run on Anderson. They are not even trying to take the extra bases. Anderson's arm, just the threat of Anderson's arm today, saved the Brewers from I think at least at least one run, possibly two. Mm-hmm. It, it saved the Brewers from giving up, um, and, and that's just going to continue to add up over the season. Yeah, you mentioned I think the throw from Brian Anderson from right field last week on the podcast. That, 102, yeah. Oh, um, and we know we've known as Brewers fans. Uh, you know, the ones who watch the prospects anyway, we, we've we known about Joey Weimer's arm. The yeah. league is starting to find out about it now, too. Yeah. Which is, all, which is, all it took, all it took was Daniel Vogelback getting gunned down on sec, at second base on what should have been a sure double, even for Vogelback. Yeah. Even for Vogelback. I know he's not the, the fleetest of foot out there, but he still should have made that a double. Mm-hmm. And Weimer just turned fire, flat-footed, boom, right on the money. No yeah. one's trying to run on him anymore. No. So it's uh it is great to see. But if they hit the ball to left field, all bets are off. <laughs> um, credit to Yelich, he's actually been semi decent. I, I think you had pointed out in the account he had had a throw to home uh it, where his he knees. was either off balance or something. From his knees. Yeah, that's right. That was better than like every single throw he basically had last season. Yeah. Um, he's had some decent catches. He did overrun a ball in foul territory. Uh, one of the games actually that they lost during the, I believe during that three game streak, um, because then a couple, either a batter later, a couple batters later, um, someone ended up driving in some runs. So that cost him a little bit. He, he still has his Yelich moments sometimes. He's yeah. he's generally better with the glove than he is with the arm. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, so so he did have a little hiccup the other day. But hey, he's to his credit, he's actually been semi okay in a small sample size early to start defensively. So I'll give him that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's just uh, you know also wanting the bat to continue to come around and. Uh, mm-hmm. Seeing some more power, one of our contributors, Josh Waldick, put out an excellent article on reviewingthebrew.com about Christian Yelich at the plate. He's hitting the ball hard still, mm-hmm. which is good, but not in the air. He's not elevating the ball. And, yeah. you know, really kind of any any hitting coach, you know, you talk to, you know, the, the, the Brewers hitting coaches or whatever else, you know, what what's your key to success? Hit the ball hard and in the air. Christian Yelich is part one, but not part two. You know, he's got to get the ball in the air. He was able to do it somehow in 2018 and 2019 very successfully. Why he can't now, I don't know. Maybe he's got to look back and, and think through those years and be like, what was I doing that that had me elevate the ball so much? Mm-hmm. And just maybe he should try to do that. Like, I don't know, but maybe he has. I'm not 
I, I don't talk with Christian Yelich. I don't know exactly <laughs> his inner workings on the on what he's doing, what exact changes he's made. But it would be nice if he could uh, elevate it a bit more. But the Brewers' offense has been doing fairly well for the most part without him being mm-hmm. at MVP level. Rowdy Telez has yeah. taken things over. He's gone on a home run binge here. He's at eight already, I believe. Um, and my bold prediction uh, to start the season of Rowdy Telez being an all-star this year is uh, holding pretty good right now, Matt. I, I'm not going to call it quite yet, but it's holding pretty good. Screw it. I'm calling it because it was also my prediction um, uh, with the boys in Green Bay uh, on opening day was Rowdy being a first-time all-star. It, it, everything was set up for Rowdy to do well this year. He had a solid season season. Last year, obviously, you know, with 30-plus home runs, the average was a little low, but he was one of the worst hitters against the shift in the league. The shift going away was supposed to benefit Rowdy as much as any player in MLB, and he he started a little slow, but now he's starting to heat up. So when you have the home runs uh, with the hits – he, he was a little, I, I heard he was, I, th- I think McKelvey said he was like three for 15 before the double E hit today. So, so he was in a little bit more of a cold streak, although all of his hits during that streak were home runs, which is awesome. Yes. Um, hey, you you just keep uh, pumping him in there and that all-star chance might be coming. He's going to have to beat two very good first basemen, NL first basemen and Paul Goldschmidt and Pete Alonzo, who's already at double-digit home runs, to get there. But he can get there. Also, there's a DH spot. I'm just saying. Yeah. And there's also Freddie Freeman. Uh, and there's Matt Olson. So this is true. There, there is competition for the first base spot. But, hey, Jesus Aguilar won it a couple of years ago. Yeah. He, he was able to get into the All-Star game. And no one, no one thought that was going to be happening prior to the season. So it's possible. It's it possible is. for him to get in there. Um, so yeah, Rowdy is, uh, looking good. Uh, got the home run swing going well. Um, so Matt, uh, we're still a few months away mm-hmm. from the trade deadline, but it's not too early to start looking at trade deadline targets. Never too early. Never too early for that, especially with the Brewers established as contenders and make no mistake they are contenders i don't care how negative you are they are right up there in the division with the pirates uh i did not think i would be saying that yeah here but uh they are right up there in the division race meanwhile the cardinals are in last place Uh, but uh the the brewers are right there so trade deadline coming up matt you saw my uh top 10 Brewers trade targets to track during the season article, I'm assuming. And hopefully all of the rest of you did. If not, go ahead, check it out, reviewingbrew.com. Matt, were there any names uh, besides, obviously, the the last one uh, that stuck out to you as someone that you really want the Brewers to go after? I mean, I think that first, basically first group in general, is a solid group because it's all left-handed pitchers. The Brewers, mm-hmm. as we know, have, well, actually, they have, once again at this point have but one left-handed reliever in Hobie Milner. Briefly, they had a second one with Alex Claudio, who was added to the roster during that whole flurry of moves when Bush went to the IL and Garrett got DFA'd and all that stuff. Um, old friend Alex Claudio was up for a hot minute and then got sent back down uh, and optioned, which I was actually just surprised in general that he still had a minor league option left, but apparently he does. So good for him, I guess. Um, but yeah, those those first two, I mean, they're, you got Tanner Scott for the Marlins and AJ Puck for the Marlins as well. Um, Puck was one who just never quite was able to catch on. He was injured a lot in Oakland. And then now he's kind of trying to, you know, start things anew with the Marlins and is doing well. Um, and then um, Justin Will, Justin, 
I'm sorry. I, I don't judge. I, I have your article up in front of me and Justin Wilson's name is on it. Um, Tanner Scott of the Marlins as well. Super, super solid arm. Either one of those I could see him going after. And as we know, the Marlins are very often selling come trade deadline time. So starting off with those two um, definitely catch my eye. I, I, I was always I've always been intrigued by um, AJ Puck's uh, talent. So and we know the Brewers, we know how, you know, they can do magical things with pitchers. I'd love us to get our hands on him if he became available. Yeah, absolutely. I would love him as well. The issue, I, th- I think, with Puck may be the, the fact that he has three and a half years of team control left. Yeah, and he's true. a closer. So if the Marlins are going to sell him, they're probably going to ask for quite a bit. Yeah. And it's not that the Brewers couldn't afford it. It's just would they want to pay it? Mm-hmm. Um, is my thing, especially since Puck will not be the closer in Milwaukee. Right. So, you know, that's that's a question. But I would love to see Puck. I, I think he'd be excellent uh, with Milwaukee. Another one that I would love to see is Trevor Rogers, also on the Marlins. I've got a couple of Marlins on here, mm-hmm. uh, quite a bit, but it's, it's also Miami. Um, Rogers is one that I think if – I mean, first of all, he's not currently healthy, um, but he should be healthy come trade on that deadline time. Um, you know, if when he's healthy and he's good, like Trevor Rogers has some really excellent stuff. Mm-hmm. He had a terrible year last year. He lost a life on his fastball for for whatever reason. Like like the velocity stayed the same, but the pitch graded out way worse. Like like it was crazy from 2021 to 22 how the pitch was graded so positive and then went like almost a the exact opposite direction. Like it was like plus 12 before then it was like minus 11. It was crazy. And the velocity stayed the same, but it's getting better this year in, in the limited time before he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and once he gets back, you know, it'll probably continue to, to improve, but he always seemed like a guy that the brewers really like, like it's their strength to, to work with a guy like him. It, he sounds like a guy that they could solve. He's got several years of team control. I feel like he would be so good with the Brewers. And if they need rotation depth come the deadline, which is very possible, I would love to see them go after and get Trevor Rogers and and just help out with rotation. I mean, he's he's controllable um, for three and a half more years. So he's controllable beyond the time that Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff are. So if you lose them, which is entirely possible, um, it's entirely possible one of them gets traded even before uh, they reach free agency, then you're going to need someone to backfill in that rotation. And Rodgers has ace-type stuff um, if he can get right, if if he's in the right situation. And I think the Brewers could be that right situation. 100%. He really before... Like Pablo Lopez and uh, Alcantara were the guys there for the Marlins. Rogers was the guy for the Marlins. He looked like he was going to be that next ace for them for a while. And then, like you said, kind of just, you know, unfortunately uh, went the other direction. So kind of similar to, you know, what I was getting with uh, getting at with Puck, like, would love to see the Brewers get their hands on him and see what they could do because um, if they ended up needing the help in the rotation, which good Lord, after last year's rotation injuries and this year's rotation injuries to start, there's a good chance they could end up needing someone to fill a spot, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I would love, I, I, in a heartbeat, I would sign up for that deal. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm um, not sure what it would cost exactly, but right. I mean, I, I think getting a guy like that, especially when you know you're likely not going to be able to sign Burns and Woodruff to extensions, mm-hmm. getting someone who has that kind of high ceiling in your rotation for the next couple of years, I think is going to be very important for this organization because they don't have that high ceiling pitching talent in their minor leagues currently. So if they lose Burns and Woodruff, they're going to have to find it somewhere. Mm-hmm. And you know, getting someone like Rogers, I, I think would definitely play to the Brewers uh, plan of staying continually competitive and not going through rebuilding cycles. 
get three and a half years of Rogers and get him in the, the Brewers pitching lab, I think get, get Chris Hook to work with them. I think mm-hmm. you're going to be looking at a, a very great situation. So that's who I would love. Obviously, the dream uh, situation here is trade target number 10. <laughs> Shohei Otani. Now, granted, the odds are not good of this actually happening. Uh, no. John Heyman said that the, that there was zero chance that the Angels actually do trade Otani this deadline. But they say that now while they're still mm-hmm. in it. Right. So, uh, and Shohei Otani will be coming to town this weekend uh, along with the rest of the Angels. That is going to be fun. Uh, very excited for that. But if the Angels fall out of it, which is entirely possible, if they fall out of it, there's zero chance Shohei Otani resigns with the Angels this offseason. He is a free agent at the end of the year. So would they rather watch him sign elsewhere for only a draft pick, or would they like to get something for him while they can? Because even, even if he's just a rental, even if it's just two months, Shohei Otani could get you back a pretty good return because he's Shohei Otani. Mm-hmm. You need rotation depth? Shohei. You need help with your offense? Shohei. It's two star players in one. So if the opportunity is there, should the Brewers do it? I mean, if you feel you've got a World Series capable team or, or close to it, add Shohei Otani. Oh, and your odds have just improved. And let's be honest, this is their only chance to add Shohei, to put Shohei Otani in a Brewers uniform because they are not signing him to a $500 million contract this winter. And it is worth noting, as you did, that the Brewers were in, whether you want to believe it or not, they were in on Juan Soto last yep. year at the deadline. And they were serious. It wasn't just a, oh, we're just going to hang around. Like they were, they were hard in those negotiations. Yes, 100%. They were in on him. Adonazio was willing to pay the money to bring in Soto. So it's, from a money standpoint, it's actually not that far outside the realm of possibility that they could go for Otani. It is just what anyone would have to give up to get even a rental of the greatest player on the planet right yeah. now. The greatest player any of us have ever seen. Yes. Really. I mean, if, if you want to go back to, to Babe Ruth or, or argue, you know, whatever Hall of Famer, none of those guys were doing what Shohei Otani yeah. is doing. Sorry. Um, and, you know, even Babe Ruth, you know, when he was pitching, you know, he wasn't he wasn't doing it like Otani is. Like, like it's absolutely absurd what he's doing. So, yeah, if you can get him – on the roster, uh, that would be incredible. You you have to at least try. So, you know, who knows? Would they do it? Would they not? It's a dream scenario. I, I don't think it's entirely likely. But, hey, keep an eye on it. Keep an eye on the Angels. Um, and if they fall out of it, they could sell. And if they sell... They might sell Otani. Things might change once once we get closer uh, into July um, and they see if he's going to sign with them long term. So just keep an eye on it. Do it. That's that, that's my word of advice. You never know. We never see, know. Cra- well, maybe we haven't seen crazier things, but <laughs> no, you never still never know. You, yeah, exactly. There was only one player on that list that was a position player. Mm-hmm. Um, which I was like getting to the end, I'm like, man, I haven't had a single single hitter on here. And I put in Wilmer Flores. That Tears of Joy, <laughs> Wilmer Flores. Um, you know, the Brewers obviously like him. Uh they tried to acquire him several years ago, uh, but were unable to because of the Mets ineptitude. Mm-hmm. Um but you know, he's someone that still has versatility. He plays a lot of first base right now, but can also play second base, could be a DH, could play really kind of all over the infield wherever you need him in a pinch. And if the Brewers need a bat, if they need some some help offensively, I mean, Flores has been a pretty regularly solid player, been mm-hmm. a one to one and a half win player for several years. Um, pretty steady, pretty consistent. You know, he's not a star, but he'll help fill out your lineup and, and he's not going to be a, a net negative. 
Um, and you know, if, if he's available, if there's a positional need, I, I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Wilmer Flores come to a Brewers uniform finally. For sure. Who knows what's going to work out with, you know, some of the utility players that the Brewers have right now. Brasso's generally been good, but you know, it's a long season. Um, does Owen Miller, you know, he's younger guy. Does he end up sticking around? Is he still, does he end up looking okay all year? Like utility uh, player, backup outfielder, those are the types of guys that the Brewers love to go get at the deadline, traditionally, not counting last year. Uh, um, they, they like to bring in, you know, those just those backups and just have a little bit of that extra insurance for the, for the offense. So could totally see something like that happen. And it would be a funny, ultimate full circle moment to have him end up in a Brewers uniform. It would. It would. It, I would absolutely love to see it. Um, it, it might make me cry um, with, with how beautiful that moment would be. Uh, you, just, you just never, never know. And that would be okay. Yes. Sometimes there is crying in baseball. Exactly. Um, so looking ahead to this weekend, the Angels are in town. And Matt's. The Brewers are going to be facing three straight left-handed starters. Oh, great! Uh, this weekend, yeah, we are looking at um, three guys. We're looking at Tyler Anderson, who's off to a poor start this season. Mm-hmm. Reed Detmers, who's solid, and Jose Suarez, who's off to a poor start this season. Uh, I'm going to the game on Sunday, and the Colin Ray Jose Suarez pitching matchup sure is going to be something. Oh my! Yeah, yeah, that is that is going to be something. Um, Suarez has allowed seven homers in 16 and two-thirds innings this year. You thought it was bad with Matt Bush? Jose Suarez has been worse. So just keep that in mind. So you're it, saying there's a chance against a left-hander? Yes, yes there are. There is a chance against these left-handers. This is this is why the Angels have sucked for so many years. <laughs> this is why they have had Mike Trout and Shohei Otani for years now, and they haven't been able to make the playoffs. It's because their pitching is garbage. They spent a whole bunch of money to get to bring in Tyler Anderson. He's got an ERA over seven. Uh, they're relying on this dude, Jose Suarez, who I've never heard of before. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is just absolute trash. Uh, no offense. But seven homers in 16 and two-thirds innings. I mean, come on. You got an ERA over ten. So that's what you're looking at. That that's what they have for the rotation out there. And I mean, the Brewers have typically struggled against lefties. Like, oh, you know, this is just our luck. But if there's a series for the Brewers bats to get going against a left-handed pitcher, it's probably this Angels series. That is very true. Do we want to take a guess as to what the Brewers batting average is against lefties and where that ranks in the majors? This season? Yeah. Um, I'm Not going to say two twenty seven and twenty sixth. Oh, you nailed the spot on the dot. I'll give you that. Um Let's go. You were unfortunately a little too generous on the average actually there, batting two oh seven against lefties. And ranked twenty sixth. And still somehow ranked twenty sixth. 207 wow. should be. All right. Yeah. So they got some work to do. And, you know, the, the, it's not entirely there's nowhere to go but up, but it's pretty close. They can't yeah. get a lot worse. Oh, no, it is the Brewers. Yeah. I mean, the dot. The Dodgers are in last place in average against lefties. They are hitting as a team 172 against lefties. Wow. Yeah, what's and, up with the Dodgers this year? And, <coughs> like, I don't know. They like they lost Trey play. Turner. They lost Gavin Lux for the season in spring training. Um, so you know they lost so much guys. They didn't really do much uh, in free agency this offseason. So that was really kind of. Uh, weird, although I think they're kind of setting themselves up to try to pursue Shohei Otani uh, this this next winter because that's that's something that the Dodgers would do. Yeah. Um, 
But okay, they're they're thirteen and eleven. They they've got it gotten it going. They're now tied in first place in the NL West, thirteen and eleven. Still not as good of a record as I thought they'd be at by now, but I mean they've they've been off to a bit of a slip. Ah, uh, they're playing the Pirates now. Okay, that that explains that, some things. That could actually um, work out in their favor then. Yeah, and then this weekend they're taking on the Cardinals. So. Oh, all right. Okay, the Dodgers do a little work for us, please. And then you yeah, can- that'd be nice. Um, but yeah, just kind of a just kind of a weird situation for for them, but. Milwaukee Brewers trying to take advantage of uh, taking on the Angels this weekend. Yeah, let's uh, let's move that. Like I said, average against lefties up a little bit should be easier to do against the Angels as it is. Um, yeah, yeah we'll be again. I'm, I'm kind of like I same spot I was in last week. I'm watching, keeping my eye on Joey Weimer. I want to see if he's going to kind of continue to roll with this regular playing time. You know, step up and really be that center fielder for the Brewers and just kind of win the position in the short term here. Uh, see how kind of some of the pitchers do here. We got a Wade Miley start coming up, uh, a Corbin Burns start coming up. Um, and yeah. see if they can kind of, you know, set the table and then maybe the Colin Ray start won't have to be as yeah. big of a deal. You know, maybe we'll have already won the series by then and then can, you know, Sunday can be a little bit relaxing. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, that's when you're facing Suarez, who's got an ERA over 10. So, you know, it's oh, it's also the Colin Ray game. So we'll see how it goes. But I mean, uh, he did yeah, I wish spot. I was going to Saturday's game. That one looks much better. Corbin Burns versus Reed Detmers. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. I do like going to Corbin Burns Day, although I did go and see Corbin Burns on Sunday. Uh, didn't have his best stuff for the first two innings, but I yeah. uh, was really able to dial it in. Um, and keep the Brewers in it until they came back, and and then until Matt Bush blew it, and Javi Guerra blew it. Yeah, yeah, that was not fun. But uh, oh well. And then the grand slam by Yoshida sent just about everyone else heading for the exit. But I stayed, Matt. I stayed until the end. Yeah, boy. The very bitter end. Everyone else missed that solo shot by Brian Anderson. <laughs> Come on. Just yeah. This is a true fan. We're talking. Yes. We're, we're not. We're not half fans here on the no. Brew Podcast. Absolutely not. We go all the way. Exactly. Even when we're down twelve to four, because Matt Bush and Javi Guerra blew it. Was let me ask you a question. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> One of my favorite things on social media is when a sports writer posts that in a blowout and all the uncultured movie, non-movie watchers hop in the replies and go, it wasn't the Germans who bombed Pearl Harbor, you know. (sighs) Really? I haven't seen people do that. Seriously? Oh my God! It's because maybe I just don't read the comment section on those. The, well, that's that's always a good good idea. That's that is how most people yeah. should approach life: is never reading the comment section on any social media ever. Um, but also, you know, I, I like to, you know. In, Speaking in of the comment section, down. I got this weird one this past week. You know, because ah. I'm I'm at the game, mm-hmm. and I post a picture of of how beautiful it is at American oh, yeah. Field. It's like, all right, we're ready for baseball. And this dude comes out of nowhere and he's just telling me, it's like, oh, it's so dark and gloomy in there. Like, you know, with the roof closed. And I'm just like, dude, it is 40 degrees and raining outside. It is 61 and dry and cozy in here. Like, I would much rather have this than sitting in 40 degrees and rain. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, a normal person. But this dude's like, ah, oh, well, if you dress right, it's not cold at all. Like, yeah, it's fine. I'm just like, but it's much preferable to be like this. Like, man, it's so dark and gloomy. And then th- this was where it got weird because this dude's allegedly a Brewers fan. He posts a picture of Wrigley Field. 
Mm. And it's like, oh, this is where it is. Like, look how, like, even with the clouds, it's so light and, and nice looking over there. And, you know, instead of being dark and gloomy, like, what the hell are you talking about? Why, why are you, like, first of all, Wrigley Field not being dark and gloomy? Have you ever been there? Like, it, have you gone into the piss troughs in the bathroom? <laughs> like, like that, that entire thing is dark and gloomy. And Cubs fans are dark and gloomy. Their team is dark and gloomy. Mm-hmm. And you look at they cancel what they cancel games because of a cloud when there's not even rain. They cancel games. No threat of that here. Like it is objectively a good thing that there is a roof in Milwaukee. Objectively a good thing. And why anyone is complaining about there being a retractable roof, given our weather around here is beyond me. It's it's ridiculous. Well, but also you're you're going to post cloudy Wrigley Field as your defense? Yeah. Hey, really? As a Brewers fan? Allegedly? Cloudy Wrigley Field in the spring when the ivy's brown also. Yeah. Like that's not even peak Wrigley Field if you're going to like show off like and as a Brewers fan, that just makes it all even more bizarre, but I just, I, I, I don't, it was not the flex that he thought it was. No. And what, what about Miller Park is dark and gloomy. Like I'm sitting there like this is bright and, and light, light. Like, is he Tony La Russa complaining about the lights yeah. here? Like, I, or, or Freddie, Freddie Freeman complained about the lights quite a bit too, but it's mm-hmm. like, what, like, what are you talking about? It is bright here. Like it looks great. It looks beautiful. Like, I, I don't know what the hell he's talking about. Some people just love to complain. And that's yeah. what it comes down to. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And, like, you see all these, like, snow games, just poor weather games, and no one's there. Like, yeah. Detroit and Minnesota, you get the 40 degrees and the wind and the rain, and they're, you're lucky to have 5,000 people in the stands. Meanwhile, we got 25,000, 30,000. And the nice buttoned-up Dinger Dome in Milwaukee. Like, it's so much better to have their tractable roof. Plus, like, it's not like there's even, like, a skyline to watch. Like, PNC Park um, or, or even Target Field, Minnesota. Yeah. Like, I get it. Like, you get the skyline right there. You're right in downtown. It's it's a beautiful view. Yeah. Miller Park is looking at an industrial park. But, like, you're looking at factories, like, beyond beyond the outfield like there there is nothing to see over there mm-hmm. like i would much rather be cozy and not in the wind and the rain and the cold than have the view of an industrial park right yeah but it, it, it doesn't matter because i mean you're it's the stadium like when you're inside uh american family field it's you're looking at the stadium. I mean, unless you're specifically facing the back panels, which you really, I mean, you really can't even see much out them anyway. It's it's baseball, and it, I think that's one of the best parts about it is it's sights, it sounds, it's like everything's like yeah, there's a dome on top of it, and which is sometimes open, um, but it's just even when it's closed, great. That that means you are now just encompassed by baseball, and what's better than that anyway? Yeah. I mean, come on. Isn't that what we all go for? Yeah. Like, sit down, have a brat, have a beer, just enjoy the game, man. You don't have to worry about rain getting on it or nope. freezing your ass off or any of that. No. Yeah. Putting the roof on Miller Park was the smartest thing they have ever done. Damn right it was. Like, and like I was, I was sitting at the game with my dad, who had gone to many games at County Stadium mm-hmm. and sat through... The 40 degrees and wind and rain and snow. Yeah. And he's like, this is the smartest thing they have ever done, putting a roof on this thing. Yeah. Remember remember Rami from 1250 The Fan. Hashtag put a roof on it. Put a roof on it. Just it was you, the Rami. smartest thing they've ever done. I don't understand why anyone would complain about having a roof over your head. Mm-hmm. And, and you know the game's going to get played. And you don't have to sit through miserable conditions. Sure, the walk back to the car may be cold. 
But you're not cold for the three hours, or should I say now two and a half hours, of the game. Yeah. So you're only miserable at the game if someone like Matt Bush gives up back-to-back homers and completely blows it. That would be the only reason that you're miserable. (laughs) Or you're miserable because you're at Wrigley Field. Like, and that just gets you thinking miserably about things. I guess if that's the case, all right, I understand it. Just get out of Wrigley. Come back to American Family Field, like I said. Have, have a yeah, tailgate. Wake up. Enjoy things again. And you'll get that mindset right again. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we are out of time. That's going to do it for us this week. Um, coming to you a bit a bit early, a day early here uh, on the Cobra Podcast. NFL Draft coming up here on uh, Thursday night. And i got to work. So that makes uh, that means we've got to push it up a day. Um the joys of working in sports, but uh, yeah, it's going to be a, a lot of fun. And uh, you know, the Packers have uh, made a little move on the draft board because the quarterback has moved. Um, and Matt, as as the resident Bears fan on this podcast, you could not be more thrilled with this development. And frankly, a lot of Packers fans could not be more thrilled either. To be honest, I was going to say I, I actually feel like a, a lot of us are on the same page with all of this, just ready ready to flip to the next chapter it's going to be an interesting uh nfc north year i think to say the least oh yeah absolutely so uh that's going to be a lot of fun but the brewers are also going to have a lot of fun this weekend with the angels in town that'll do it for us thank you for listening this has been the cold brew podcast